Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, everyone, and we are back with another episode of Crypto Sapiens. Today, we are talking with Farah and Weaver, core team members at Yearn Finance. We discuss the Yearn ecosystem, including its organizational model, from the lens of each of their journeys transitioning from FANG companies to Web3. We explore what growth looks like in Web3, along with emergent opportunities with onboarding talent from traditional HR systems to decentralized reputation systems. Let's get started. Thanks again, Humpty, for the invite. Really uh, psyched to be uh, chatting with you all. Um, so my name's Farah. I also go by uh, Blue Willow. Uh, hence the handle. Um, I'm currently a core contributor at Yearn. Um, in terms of like my journey overall, I, I'll try to keep this brief, but I essentially like studied engineering in school, had the chance to um, work as an engineer and then transition more on the product management side of things in kind of traditional tech companies. Um, a couple of years ago when I think blockchain as a kind of concept became more of a buzzword across like a, a medley of different corporate sectors had the chance to like really dig into the underlying tech stack through Hyperledger specifically and, and work on building out a, a medley of different like use cases there. Um, so that was my essentially like first exposure to decentralized tech um, and just seeing it, its applications and ability to, you know, disrupt traditional sectors. Obviously, you know, um, Hyperledger, you know, uh, corporate uh, use cases obviously have a, you know, medley of, of shortcomings and don't necessarily unlock everything that, you know, Web3 or the decentralized space has to offer. Um, so I became more interested in in really, you know, delving deep into the, the community at large and exploring like what other like nascent or uh, net new projects um, were building. Uh, that kind of slowly led me down to a rabbit hole of exploring like a medley of different protocols. I was particularly interested in in DeFi specifically um, because I, you know, had previously, you know, uh, just been an, an investor, and um, it was really interesting just to see um, how like a medley of different uh, products and ideas were spinning up that you know completely did away with a lot of the um, like intermediaries uh, that I was used to like encountering if I wanted to lend or borrow or, or invest. Um, as, you know, Yearn Finance itself was was spinning up around that time. It was kind of like the, the heyday of, of, of DeFi summer. I actually started off just using uh, Yearn Finance just as a regular user and um, leveraging, you know, their, their platform, uh, especially on like the yield aggregation side of things, um, as well as, you know, using a, a, a quite a number of other protocols and the like. Um, this uh, earlier or earlier last year, um, I had the chance to uh, interface with a member of Yearn specifically and and talk with them about 
more less about the product side of things, which I was familiar, but more so about like how the team operates and how the DAO functions. Um, and that really just struck struck a chord with me, and and really was a calling um, to not just Web three, but uh, you know DAOs as a whole, um, and kind of the nuances there in terms of how folks um, can collaborate and coordinate in in this new model. And that was essentially how I got involved. Um, in Yearn specifically, um, I wear a couple of different hats at at Yearn Finance, but largely my focus is on, um, you know, the umbrella of like people and people operations, uh, onboarding, bringing new folks in, um, as well as like building like capabilities to help with like product development and the like. All right, amazing! Thank you so much. That's a that's a really comprehensive introduction, um, Weaver. Uh, why don't we get an introduction uh, to you, your crypto journey as well, and how you uh, got to where you're at today? Yeah, cool. Thanks, thanks so much for having us on, Humpty. Um, yeah, so my um, my my crypto journey, I guess, in, in some ways, has been a um, sort of a, a a mirror of my of my professional journey. In that, in my in my career, I, I've I've always worked on things. Um, I like to say I, I connect people to things that bring them joy, and you know I've done that at at the bigger t- bigger tech companies, smaller tech startups, um, usually in and around the, the the content space. But I've done you know, sort of a few different things over the years. Um, but I've had that sort of back and forth, kind of big to big to small company. And and my my crypto journey has been similar. Um, I, I first got into into crypto in in 2017. Um, it all began in Russia, actually. Um, we were um, on a, a, a family trip. Um, my my wife and our and our and I and our kids. Um, one of her siblings, her her brother, uh, and his partner, and then um, uh, their their parents. And uh, my my uh, my father in law actually grew up in, in Russia, so it was this awesome family trip. And he brought us back to um, you know, where he'd grown up and and got to speak the language and show his grandkids the country and all those beautiful things. But perhaps equally beautiful was. That my my brother in law was was and still is in, in full on crypto evangelist mode on that trip, and um, we would you know we we would see amazing things during the day, and then we spend a lot of time at night drinking vodka and, and um, talking about things like how Ethereum works. Um, and honestly, it was awesome. Um, I, I learned a ton. Um, uh, I was working at a, at a big Fang company at the time, but um, uh, when I came back from that trip, um, my my brother in law uh, owed me some money, like reimbursing from that trip, and I told him to. Um, to take it and 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 put it into some projects that he was interested in, and just explain to me how he did it and why. And um, in some ways, the rest is history. I kind of got you know really quickly found myself spending more and more of my time um, trying to understand crypto and how it works. I, I bought this dual GP, dual GPU gaming PC and turned it into a, a, an ETH miner. It didn't didn't run that very long. Didn't make much money from it. But to me, like getting to the command line, understanding how it worked. Um, was sort of that that was the pill that that kind of got me in and later that year I, I left my my fang job and went to work full time in uh, in crypto the stuff I was working on at that time was really around um, you know cooperative ownership of, of things and finding ways to take things and break them into little pieces that the average person could participate in um, which you know some of that is is you could say finally starting to happen today in, in 2022. We were definitely ahead of our time in, in 2017 working on those things, but um, you know learned a ton, met a lot of great people in the in the space. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, sort of back and forth. The back and forth for me, you know, in, in 2019, at sort of the bottom of the bear, 
um, I had been, you know, all, all in for a couple of years had kind of had blown through, um, uh, blown through savings and, and kind of gotten to a, a fairly dire place financially. And, uh, another fang company made me an offer I, I couldn't refuse to come work for them in a, in a global growth role. So I took it and, um, you know, no, no regrets. It was an awesome, an awesome job. Um, uh, you know, working for a, a, a pretty decent company, uh, gave me a traditional paycheck, which, which enabled me to be able to buy a house, which, you know, folks working for Dow's know is a little bit tougher if you don't have that, that, you know, sort of W2 income. So, um, bought a house and, and just kind of going along that route. And then in early 2021, about a year ago, um, uh, I, I was aware of Yearn, but I started talking to, uh, Tracheopteryx. Uh, we, we have, we have, um, some good, good friends in common. And so I w- went really quickly from, you know, chatting with him about how about crypto and how we think you know projects should work, how we think organizations should work, um, and that sort of quickly evolved into, hey, you know, why don't you come hang out a little bit at Yearn? Hey, why don't you work on some projects at Yearn? Uh, I, I took some vacation time off from my my day job just to go, you know, go sort of full time in, in in bursts working on Yearn stuff. And by by May of of twenty twenty one, I I I quit my job to go uh, full time at Yearn, and I. Um, you know, the, the short version of, of my role that I, I say to folks is that I work on growth. Um, you know, what that means looks a little bit different every day. Some of it is, is more traditional, um, you know, growth and looking at how we can, you know, get our, uh, get our tech in the hands of, of more people, particularly these days on the B2B side, there's, there's quite a lot of opportunity there. But it also just means working on the organization itself and how do we grow? How do we engage people like Farah who can help, you know, uh, help us us level up in our our talent and onboarding and, and what have you. How do we think about compensation and all that stuff? So, yeah, you know, um, uh, all these all these months in, um, I, I feel really fortunate to have landed back full time in crypto and um, and at Yearn. So, uh, one of the things obviously we want to touch on is building this DeFi protocol, right? But I think what we want to facilitate is a also a discussion on like what that transition looks like. For someone who is like on the outside, right, who isn't uh, necessarily interacting with, you know, crypto and Web3 on a day to day. So uh, let's see, maybe Farah, if you want to take this, what what really motivated you when you kind of were seeing the opportunity coming from this traditional Web2 space into Web3 that kind of made it clear to you that this made sense as a career? Um, you know, both in terms of like, oh, I can actually work on this on a day to day, make money doing it, but also this represents something to me. I think for, I would imagine, you know, there's different elements that would resonate for different folks in terms of, you know, aspects of that being the transition or what would appeal to someone or, you know, making that switch um, from Web 2 to Web 3 from a career perspective as well. Uh, but I can speak at least to, to my experience. Um, I think uh, there were a couple of factors at the onset um, that, that really kind of were a key driving factor. I think the limits of kind of companies overall as coordination mechanisms um, was just something I had been grappling with for um, a number of, of years. I would kind of argue that I think traditional kind of corporate employment is becoming somewhat outdated as just a means for like coordinating activity and and contributing in like today's um, information age. I mean, we're already seeing the emergence of a medley of different like alternative forms for earning, you know, be it like influencers, contractors, creators, 
um, you know, people participating in the gig economy overall. Um, and, you know, these ways of like earning or um, having, you know, building a career don't always feel like work per se, but they're all examples of like people participating as like individual value providers in a complex network and earning income for their contributions accordingly. I hadn't seen a lot of like applications of that in in tech, uh, but the more I learned about, um, you know, Web3 and, and using the term Web3 here kind of very loosely to encompass, uh, you know, the new iteration of, of the World Wide Web that in- incorporates, you know, decentralization based on blockchain, including, you know, all things DAO, DeFi, um, and, you know, tokens and the like. Um, but I would say they're, again, these complex networks aren't always easy to, to access. But I think for me, what was clear is that um, I think the Web2 paradigm, there were a lot of elements of it that um, weren't super appealing to me. And I was eager to kind of explore, you know, what other opportunities were there to coordinate, contribute, uh, collaborate with others um, outside of, you know, the legacy structures. So I, I kind of came into things. I feel like there are, you know, this past year into this year, uh, I think it, the barrier of entry has become, you know, a lot, a lot lower. There's no shortage of, you know, really, um, you know, prominent protocols, institutions, and the like um, that are actively like building, you know, net new things or, you know, building these social structures in, in a way that, you um, you know, it, it's very easy to see their value and it's easy to see how they can essentially kind of, um, you know, disrupt the future across their, their verticals. Um, so for me, it wasn't like a super, a super hard, um, you know, uh, case of sorts. Like it was pretty easy to, to become like onboarded and, and be able to understand, like at the end of the day, it's, it's really like a new tech stack similar to how like VR or ML or AI kind of just represented kind of like a, a new, um, a new tech stack that had the potential to disrupt how we consumed, um, you know, traditional products. I feel like at it by and large, um, you know, quote unquote, like blockchain or decentralized tech holistically is also, also offers us, um, similar capabilities. So, it's really more so a matter of like um, what underlying tech stack has the ability to like meaningfully move the needle forward um, and has like the, the, the team to doing so. The tech stack, I think, has matured enough where it's really easy to see the value add there. Plus, I think DAOs as a coordination layer provide like an easy mechanism to be able to like make that transition. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned here that I think is really interesting is in terms of like the coordination mechanisms in traditional, uh, you know, corporations and industries, it's it's limited, it's restricted. Um, I think certainly in Web3, there's a tremendous opportunity, right? But I think currently it looks uh, as if we're in experimentation stage. There's still a lot of learning that that's going on, um, you know, Yearn itself, right? Spinning up Coordinate, I think, is an example of how that experimentation is going. There are mechanisms that are being explored within these uh, ecosystems that then could potentially become products themselves that can facilitate better coordination and collaboration within communities. Um, would what would you say in terms of you know the current state of collaboration? Uh, and you know what from your personal experience, like what are what are some of the things that you've seen that have worked 
and some things that still are challenges that can represent opportunities as well. Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think uh, there's it's definitely not a perfect system. Um, I think there are still some, you know, like you mentioned, challenges and opportunities to DAOs uh, going mainstream and truly becoming like the center of work. Um, I think from an opportunities perspective, uh, I think there's still a lot of um, a lot of work that still needs to be done to develop like the infrastructure tools and systems that you know can support DAOs and their um, and their members. Um, you know, co- from a cord- from a tool pers- tooling perspective, um, I think today most DAOs are still relying on like a mix of like Web two software that really wasn't made for DAOs or uh, or alternatively Web three software that's still pretty nascent and and fairly young. Um, and in that in case, like DAO needs aren't really fully met. I know there's quite a number of individuals actively working on this. Um, you know, the likes of you know um, Parcel, uh, Maltus, you know, Discourse, Collabland. Uh, but like I mentioned, a lot of those are still early stages, so there's still quite a lot of opportunity to kind of make it easier to coordinate. I think one area that I've focused on, especially in my role at Yearn, is um, kind of displacing how we think of traditional like HR, right? So with a DAO, you don't necessarily have the traditional like HR systems of you like, you hire someone and then you assign them a manager and they they kind of take that responsibility. Um, and even during the interview process, you might like go through a, a loop or a, a round of interviews, review resumes and the like. I think in, in a purist DAO, right, you're more so relying on like reputation systems or at least trying to, to build those. Um, when you have individuals coming in, especially at your and where most folks are like anon or at least uh, pseudonymous, how do you then um, better understand their their reputation, um, especially in, in a world where you're kind of contending with like scarce resources. So um, I know like rabbit hole, you mentioned coordinate, like the idea of like on-chain reputation systems, I think there's a lot of uh, areas of opportunity there. I don't think anyone's fully fleshed it out yet. Um, but for DAOs to really become like the future of, of work per se, um, being able to like move that kind of transfer or reputation layer into on-chain as much as possible, or at least like better kind of contend with um, how you assess someone's, you know, skill set contributions in a decentralized um, manner. So I think those are two areas to me that stand out where there's like a lot of opportunities. Uh, but nonetheless, I think what works really well um, today uh, I think is that just eth- general ethos of of continuous improvement. Um, I think most folks, be it at Yearn or across other DAOs I've collaborated with, are are very vocal about you know wanting to continue to improve and explore like net new models in a in a very collaborative way. Um, I think the the core uh, you know principles of, of of DAOs or the decentralization framework as a whole in terms of, um, you know, giving individuals that are actively working and contributing kind of a stake in the, in the protocol or, you know, the social structure or whatever, like the purpose of the DAO, I think that can't be understated, um, enough. I think for me, at least that, that really appealed to me, um, uh, and why I wanted to like work for Yearn full-time and why I, I'm actively like even bringing on friends and family members into, into DAOs as a whole. I think it's a really cool concept you know, having a horizontal structure that actually works, um, you know, and 
really doing away with like traditional like management and the, oh, the bottlenecking that it introduces, but encouraging everyone to be like accountable for, um, you know, the, the, whatever it is that the DAO is kind of uh, ultimately like responsible for. In, in Yearn's case, obviously, you know, the protocol and kind of relying on folks to like act with integrity, to take, you know, those values, you know, take all of that onus and responsibility. Um, and then, you know, really do their best to, you know, move the needle forward and, and create an impact. Uh, and doing all of that, right, in without, you know, management or traditional like vertical structures, um, I think is really, I think can't be understated enough. And uh, I think that to me, that's what's really, that would, that's what really works well in the overall kind of DAO, uh, DAO model and what I'm excited to kind of continue as we flesh out, again, the tooling, the um, the reputation side of things and, and some of the other components that still haven't been fully fleshed out. Tons to unpack there, but also I think you, you've you done a tremendous job at introducing maybe uh, something we should explore a little bit here, and that is urine finance. So in terms of urine finance, you know, I think anyone who's been in this space for any amount of time realizes the impact that they've made into this ecosystem. You know, they're one of the first DeFi protocols uh, certainly one of, uh, I think, uh, more of the exemplary uh, DeFi protocols. And I think they've definitely been setting the bar in terms of, um, you know, how, uh, you know, Web3 can operate. Uh, and so I wonder if you could briefly uh, explain a little bit about uh, introduced uh, Yearn. And then from an operational standpoint, like some of the functions that it's built to enable that type of coordination collaboration uh that is uh you know uh, web3 uh native you know where 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 it's uh acting uh with those web3 with that web3 ethos so yearn we describe as uh as as a robust yield source um and uh it's a it's I think what makes what, one of the things that makes urine urine unique is that this this source of uh, of of yield is is certainly for users, right? Like individuals can come to urine urine dot finance and um, uh, you know put their holdings into into vaults and earn uh, you know earn yield uh, in the same you know in the same token that they deposited in, and there's and there's value in that. Um, but there's also uh, we're also a very valuable yield source for um, uh, institutions in the in the business to business or or DAO to DAO space, right? Um, projects like um, uh, like Alchemix or or uh, Argent, you know, builds uh, in, either build their tech on top of Urine's vaults or build integrations into Urine's vaults and can um, you know focus on building interfaces and products that that uh, that bring their bring their users joy while you know while reliably providing yield from um, you know from Urine. Uh, from urine's vaults running running underneath, um, but it's also a robust yield source for uh, for doers, for developers, for individuals who want to come build. Um, you know, a, 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 a between five and six billion dollars in in TVL these days, depending on the depending on the day. Um, uh, you know, it, it, individual vaults with as much as a billion dollars in them. It's um, you know, it's it's the opportunity to work on uh, you know. Very big, big opportunities. Very big challenges uh, at scale. Um, and, and you know, to the other part of your of your question, the way that we operate, um, 
is is a is a DAO. There's no um, there's no CEO of uh, of Yearn. We might you know joke about that with some individuals, but there's no there's no CEO of Yearn, and there um, there are rather uh, empowered uh, teams, Y teams uh, of people who work on the core parts of the operation of making this whole thing run. Right? There are strategists who are the big brains that actually code the um, the the strategies that take the that take this. Uh, these holdings that are deposited and and go out and and generate as much yield as possible from those. Um, we actually recently re- relaunched um, sort of a sort of a, a Wikipedia of our vaults, which is uh, vaults.yearn.finance. But you can break down in there all the different strategies behind uh, behind all all the vaults at Yearn and, and and how it works. So one very transparent, but two sort of you know shines a light on the complexity of how it works, and it really is this combination of. Uh, of you know of of automation and um, uh, big brain human power that 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 makes it operate. So strategists are clearly a you know a, a core part of the of the world, being sort of one part dev, one part uh, one part finance wizard. But then you know we have folks that work on our uh, on our web team that build the interfaces and maintain the interfaces front and front and back that make the website work. We have a, a partnerships team that uh, that engages some of the you know folks like a, like I mentioned, and there are. You know, there are there are designers, there are finance people, all of these things, but um, but no org chart, right? There are um, you know, groups of individuals who uh, who coordinate uh, largely asynchronously. Um, we do a, we do a lot of work for better or worse. We do a lot of work on uh, on on Telegram, but you know, at, at the end of the end of the day, running a business that's on a on a run rate for about a hundred million dollars a year in uh, in in uh, in revenue um, with a group of you know, full-time contributors is about forty-something full-time contributors, and another hundred-plus uh, part-time contributors. It's um, uh, it was pretty compelling to me to come work on an organization operating like this, but I think also pretty impressive to run something at this uh, at this scale with a with a with a with a group like it like this. Um, and, and one piece that I maybe would would double-click on when I talk about sort of for better or worse, you know, working on on Telegram, I, I would definitely. Uh, I would say for for me as somebody who's you know one of the operators in, in this business, I'd be curious if if uh, if Farah agrees. Uh, I would guess that she does. Um, you know, I spend so much more time at Yearn just doing, just getting shit done. Where you know, in, in my in my previous life working for a, a fan company, most of my day, most of my you know work day was in back to back calls. Right um, during COVID, it's literally back to back video calls. But right, I was on calls from. Uh, let's say let's say ten hours a day on average, back to back, right? So much of that time is spent managing up or sort of shuttling information from one 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 group to another. Um, you know, it differs from day to day on urine, but it it's never at that level. Like like today will be one of my more booked days, and I think I might have four hours of um, you know of meetings and conversations, including this podcast, right? So it doesn't even really count in that in that way. And the rest of the time is. Um, you know, either asynchronously working with people, or, or you, you know, we might might quickly get into a chat on something. Maybe we'll get on a um, a one to one call, and then sort of last resort is is things like you know zooms or, or, or group calls. We do have a you know a small number of, of operating things, and people operate in stand ups and stuff to keep things flowing. But there's a very strong desire to build in the right way, not not build in, in the way that sort of traditional organizations teach us that we that we need to. And it, it honestly, it you know, it's, it might sound cliche, but it is amazing the amount of, you know, freedom you have to just go do and build when you remove the overhead of a, of a hierarchical org. 
Perrin, did you want to respond to some of that? It sounds like Weaver uh, may have left the door open there for uh, your perspective. Yeah, no, I'm totally on the same page. You know, Weaver and I have kind of commiserated about our previous lives. Um, for sure. And uh, some of our some of the things we've liked and, and disliked therein. But yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that that's definitely an element. I think that's been super refreshing about um, you're in finance specifically and just how we've been working, um, collaboratively. Uh, I think the focus is a lot more on the contribution and the work versus kind of some of these other like bureaucratic or administrative, uh, functions that don't always yield, uh, you know, value, uh, and sometimes can get away in, or get in the way of, um, you know, meaningful work. And I think one thing too, to add on to that, I think for me, uh, particularly, um, I've just found a tremendous amount of fulfillment in in the work that I do do, even if it's like simple in, in nature. I think just the ability to be able to like work on something and know that I'm have a you know I'm playing a role in in said products like evolution or, or having an impact there. Just um, yeah, I think makes it a really unique experience that it, it doesn't so much feel even as like you know work. It um, it's just quite quite fulfilling. So. You know, I think going back to something I, I mentioned early, and I and I'll double down on this. I think Yearn is highly influential in the space, and I think anyone that's building, uh, I would certainly recommend to them take a look at what Yearn is building. Take a look at these processes that they're creating and defining for themselves, so they can operate uh, in a more decentralized fashion. Right. Uh, to to your point of you know how Yearn operates, um, where it's you know not hierarchical where you can just get stuff done. So I, I guess one of the questions I, I would be curious to see what your response uh, would be is, for anyone that is coming from this traditional Web2 space who may be curious about how they can make that leap, whether they are joining a project or whether they're trying to transition their traditional Web2 business to become a Web3 native business, um, how what what recommendations would you give to them in terms of you know from an operational standpoint you know some of these processes that need to be uh implemented to flatten the organization or from a communication standpoint the way that you go from you know having 4 hours worth of meetings 6 hours worth of meeting where you can't really get work done to a place where you can just streamline that and function in a way where just you're just working on something that you're passionate about and doing, but while still remaining connected and into what the organization, you know, what's happening at the organization. It's really around focus. And if you're a business, I would say focus and, and partner. And what I mean by that is like, pick a spot or pick a couple of spots. I think the, the, the Web3 world can be so daunting because it is so much, right? It's so much more than, um, than cryptocurrencies, right? Um, uh, it's a it's a whole new way of of building and, and operating. And I mean, even if you just were interested in NFTs, right, there is a whole rabbit hole to go down just in that world, right? Um, and if you're just interested in uh, in in yield farming or in you know portable identity or or whatever whatever it is, I would say, you know, um, you know, don't feel bad about it, and and actually feel feel good about picking an area or two to to focus on. This is something honestly I try to remind myself of every day, right? And and I'm sure I'm sure you you can relate Humpty, right? Trying to keep up on what's going on in the industry even just in one corner of it is feels impossible at, at times. So whether you're an individual trying to trying to get in or you're a business trying to 
uh, pivot or add, you know, add Web3 elements, I'd say focus and, and partner. Partner is, is important too, right? Find others who are building things that are, that are like-minded to you um, and build with them. I mean, something that, that I've heard Trake say in conversations with, with partners uh, or other companies that are building things that, you know, that are, um, you know, maybe, maybe could be competitive to something like coordinate is like, you know, this is crypto. Fuck it. Let's build together. Let's, it doesn't need to be competition. Let's find ways to, you know, to, to, to go further, faster together. And I would say, you know, remind yourself of that or really kind of really embrace that as a mantra, right? These things, it does not, does not need to be the, you know, beholden to shareholders. Everything is about competition and, you know, race to the bottom kind of, uh, kind of stuff. This is, you know, this is, this is our opportunity to build things the way that we think that they should be built. And, and yes, it's still ultimately so much of this is about, um, you know, traditional growth metrics and, and revenue and all, and all those things for sure. And there is competition for sure. This is not all rainbows and unicorns, but it doesn't mean that we can't get further, faster together. So, you know, you focus on your piece. I focus on my piece. We find a way to handshake and go do things. Like I think looking at it from, from that way would be, um, yeah, would be sort of a, my first piece of advice. Yeah, that's that's good. I think one of the things that you uh, brought up there that I think is worth um, emphasizing is the ability to focus and partner. Um, you know, I think that that's something certainly that is applicable to individuals and to businesses, right? Uh, don't try to overextend yourself. You know, maybe in the traditional Web two space you had to do everything, but. Uh, as you come into the Web3 space, maybe your business is four or five different businesses and finding an area of focus and being able to grow and find meaningful partnerships that will help that develop that business in a way that's more cooperative. I think that that's, uh, that's definitely a very interesting one. Um, another thing that I always like to point to, uh, and I don't know uh, it, what your thoughts are on this in terms of uh, whether you agree or not, but the one thing that I've always look back to is like DeFi and the success that it has been and the explosion of, you know, its usage back in 2020, you know, in terms of that excitement, in terms of that rapid growth, for me, obviously, one of the things that I saw that was crucial to that success is the fact that it was composable, interoperable, meaning pieces, projects were able to take other projects and build on top of those, right? The word money Legos became a very familiar word in DeFi. I believe that any project today, whether you are an NFT project, whether you're a DAO, look to why uh, DeFi was as successful as it was and the reason why it was able to scale uh, and come up with such creative applications was that composability. And I think truly other Web3 uh, applications like NFTs and DAOs will find value in doing the same in terms of that composability so that they can focus to your point and scale. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And I think it's, it, it, you know, one of the things that attracted me to, you know, to coming back to the space full time, right? You know, you, you never, you never leave crypto, right? But I, I had definitely, you know, been split, splitting my time there um, through the, you know, through the, the end of the bear and even through DeFi summer. But one of the things that brought me back is this sort of yeah this the, this whole concept of of Legos of building things that others could go build crazy stuff that you never even thought of on top of or that you don't have time for right and this you even see it with things like there's there's sort of a there's a general allergy things that um, I don't know you know contracts with licenses and 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 things like that that aren't you know aren't made to be 
uh, shared or, or forked. And it's like, yeah, if you want to fork something and go build it, build it a different way, go for it. Um, no, I, I totally love that. I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting too, to, to look at, and you could say this of, uh, of Yearn, but to your point, more of, of DeFi more broadly, it's really something that was born during COVID that maybe only could have been born this way because of COVID, right? All these, all these big brains locked up at, at home just with time to build, right? No one's going around shilling at conferences or, um, you know, or selling vapor. It's like, let's just go build a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, and, you know, and leave it for others to build, to build on top of. And I think it, you know, we think about that, that way at Yearn for sure. It's why, uh, we've seen so much and expect so much growth in that sort of B2B or Dow to Dow piece of it, right? It's, um, uh, maybe an easy, but I think really valid example is, you know, people often will, will pop in and say, you know, you should build a really like normy front end for Yearn, something that's just super, super simple and easily accessible for noobs to come in and learn about De- DeFi and, and get involved. Um, and, and the, the, the general response, certainly where my head is on this is like, yes, someone totally should go build that. I think it could do, it could do quite well. Right, like we're focused more on infrastructure, right? Our 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 end product is very much there for users, but you have to kind of it, it's designed more for people that have some level of DeFi um, fluency, right? Um, and there's opportunity for like somebody should totally go build that on top, and guess what? They'll get you know fee sharing back. They'll get rev share back from from Yearn. Like it'll it'll pay pay to go build. Like this whole this whole idea of building things where the incentives are aligned. Um, uh, to your point, to have Legos and all that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And as folks are building out other parts of, of Web3, if they're thinking about whatever they're building to make it, I don't know what the right terminology would be, make it, you know, make it future-proof, make it so that, you know, others can just sort of can plug in. It's like, it's like the, it's the modern day equivalent of like back in the day when you'd, you'd buy a, like when I bought like a Mac Tower back in the day, it had all these different expansion ports in the back of it. And it's like, I wonder what, you know, what amazing piece of hardware somebody will think of in a year that I can plug in here, right? Um, and just leaving it open for that kind of building, I think, kind of, yeah, it's 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 a big part of what it's all about. That's very interesting, actually. The uh, physical element of what we're building in this digital virtual space. So to, to kind of harken back to something you said uh, just moments ago in terms of you know, DeFi or Yearn and, and, and all of these products and, De- uh, you know, and during the explosion of DeFi summer, only being able to be born during, co- during, during the, you know, um, when COVID was getting started. Um, I think one of the things that I've been hearing a lot since then, and this is not necessarily to do with Web3, but maybe, uh, is people really trying to take control over the lives again, where they're, they realize that Maybe life's too short to be working on something, right? Going to work every day, punching the clock, nine to five. And really, there's nothing that they're taking back or gaining from that relationship aside from just the paycheck. So there's people who are now trying to find joy in what they do, primarily in life, but also in what they do for work. And so I think Web3 certainly presents an opportunity because it uh, allows for people to really do what they love. And if it doesn't exist, go out and build it and build a community around it that supports you and your vision and the project, and then scale that, you know, alongside with other people that are uh, of the same mind in terms of what you're building, right? So you have these like-minded individuals who are passionate and are, you know, either technically savvy or, you know, socially 
savvy where they're able to organize communities and, and you know empower them through these uh, shared incentives. So I wonder, and maybe this is something that Farah you can take, is in terms of onboarding this potential next million users that are trying to find um, something that feeds their mind, body, and soul beyond just picking up a paycheck. What do you think are some opportunities here for us to you know, learn from some of the successes that we've had and then maybe scale those and build out those onboarding tools and opportunities for us to be able to like welcome these individuals into this you know, uh, novel ecosystem? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it kind of tell, uh, dovetails into a question you asked earlier regarding you know, how individuals can enter into Web3 um, broadly. I think at the individual level, um, I think finding an intersection between like what folks love to do, what they're inherently good at, you know, what they could potentially be, you know, paid for and, you know, what a particular DAO needs um, is definitely kind of like a, the first or like the first opportunity. I think individuals themselves have to be clear on like what their goals are for journey or joining a particular DAO or, or building a, a new one. Um, from a DAO perspective, uh, I think then like better understanding, you know, the, the goals of, of specific contributors and then working with them like individually to, to onboard them, um, and get them more plugged in, uh, to the DAO. Uh, I think there's still a lot of opportunities, um, I think cross it out to continue to refine like how uh, we onboard the next, you know, hundred million, you know, what have you users on uh, or individuals to a DAO. I think today there's um, some areas of opportunity, you know, regarding like, you know, disconnectedness or cognitive overload when, when you potentially first join a DAO, um, given how things are currently set up. But I think the way uh, a lot of DAOs can look to address that is, you know, investing uh, a bit more in their kind of quote unquote, you know, people, contributor, you know, arms, whatever you want to call like that specific team. But I think having like a a particular kind of team or group of individuals really focused on um, the contributor's journey, be it through onboarding or, you know, they're after as they're, you know, making uh, or as they're working and collaborating with others. Um, and even like the perspective of like people fo- focusing on full time, uh, continuing to like focus on that, plus like building the right mechanisms and and tools to introduce like more automation, especially, you know, as we talked about earlier, the idea of like building your your reputation in a DAO, um, you know, receiving compensation for the work that you're doing, uh, ensuring that it, it's it's done in a way that like makes you feel fulfilled, um, but then also allows you to kind of like live your life, um, you know, and contend with obviously day to day realities of like expenses and 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 the like. Uh, you're in particularly, uh, I think our history there's been I think the focus has been really like on the engineering front in terms of like building out the the core set of products. You know, we we talked about earlier, um, building upon those, maintaining those. Uh, but I think recently there's been like more of a focus and that's one thing that I've been really focused in on is, uh, I think just paying closer mind to, again, like that people side of things, uh, to not only, you know, help the group of folks that we're onboarding today, but also looking like to the future as we continue to like build upon the DAO. So looks like we're coming on the hour here. Uh, anything we missed that we should touch on? 
whether it's, you know, about yearn or, you know, uh, the, the DAO and, and some of its function that you feel like we should definitely make note of before we uh, close out this session? I think maybe maybe two two quick things come to mind for me. One, sort of, we'll file this under alpha or be on the be on the lookout for. Um, you know, I, I I've mentioned a couple of times on this in this conversation that um, you know that sort of B two B or you know Dow to Dow is a is a is a big focus uh, for us in in terms of of growth and. Um, uh, I think that the 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 next the next biggest one that'll that'll be coming is a is a integration of your vaults into Ledger Live. Um, it's just the integration is just about done, but Ledger uh, the Ledger team announced it on their podcast just before the holidays. So uh, cool to so it's not a not not a leak, but something that's that, that that's coming coming soon. But I, I mentioned it because I think it's you know look for more of those kinds of integrations from uh, from from Yearn and really you know us trying to. Um, you know, work with builders like that that have large consumer audiences, or we can kind of meet them, meet them where, meet people where they are. Um, I think that's an area of interest and focus for us. Um, uh, layer two, uh, also an area of of interest and, and focus. You'll see that show up first in our uh, in the vaults that show up in in labs. So the more you know, the more experimental stuff. But um, it's definitely a, a watch this space thing. Um, and then you know, on the you know on the on the organization side. Um, and this, this relates to the whole, I get the, the whole thing, but, you know, if, if folks have been following along tokenomics, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a, 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 a major focus recently. And I saw, I don't think he's in the room anymore, but Finn who, uh, contributes for both, um, Bankless DAO and, and Yearn, Finn is one of the folks in our community that did a lot of great work to, uh, drive discussion around tokenomics and, and, and where, where we could focus. And it, and it really, um, one is an example of how folks in the community can really jump in and. Um, and make a difference, but 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 two, it sort of helped us help spark a lot of great conversation. And um, uh, go to the governance forum if if you haven't, if you geek out on tokenomics and those kinds of things. But um, uh, it, it looks very much like X X Y fee and V E Y fee will be a, a, a reality sooner than later. And you know, this stuff has far reaching um, implications, right? There's you know, obviously, folks want to talk about the 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 you know the 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 token price and stuff like that, and that's interesting, but. When you think about the long-term vision of of Yearn and just in line with us building something for the for the long haul, it relates into everything, including compensation. And we're talking about um, you know team member compensation and how we can shift to um, uh, options, Wi-Fi options that that leverage tokenomics like the like VE Wi-Fi. Um, just to, I think it's a great opportunity for us to again demonstrate the long-term vision of the protocol, but also help contributors. You know, put their put their uh, put their tokens where their mouth are, where their mouth is, or whatever the expression would be. I botched that. It, it was going to be great, but but anyways, I just think it's you know, there's some of the stuff that I'm super psyched about because it's it is again, it's 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 long term thinking. Uh, it's, it's super transparent the way that it's it, it's come together, and I think just gives us you know gives us an opportunity to expand the circle of folks that are that are you know that are working on on building things uh, building things together. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Yearn Finance, please go to yearn.finance and on Twitter at iEarnFinance. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcast. And stay tuned for our next discussion.